0: The Around the NFL Podcast. Give zero about the new Star Wars.
4: (laughs) Welcome back to another edition (laughs) of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. That
2: definitely wasn't Mark's opinion, I can tell you that. Yeah, that was my favorite drop yet, but Mark
3: produced a sour face.
1: Well, the the new star wars number 1 That's it's not, not the, the new it's star not wars? the name of it but uh, well yeah. like anyone knows the name or we don't know the name yeah
4: normal people do the don't. force
1: awakens but i'm not some <laughs> td like sci-fi nerd but yeah. it's the first movie that i saw with my dad as i've stated before and so it has a meaning you don't to, have me. to apologize no no but i i can see that something was absolutely missing from the childhoods of others i
4: said downstairs yeah. you know i i sometimes uh, draw criticism in certain circles whether it be in the newsroom or uh, on Twitter for being a hater of the star wars franchise i'm not I just can't avoid it, and that gets a little annoying, but at the same time, which like, makes you a hater yeah, I guess so
1: I wouldn't call you an advocate a kind <laughs> advocate of the franchise right,
4: but I don't judge people for it i do I want to make that yes, clear. you do, not really, and you know the the new rocky movie coming out, creed, I will be at that theater by myself on Friday that's kind of like my star wars mm. uh something I'm really excited about, so I get it. And what, there's not a lot of difference between Creed and the new Star Wars when you think about it, two dormant franchises that are trying to relaunch to a new generation
3: and make a ton more money.
1: I want to see Creed. That looks good.
3: Well, one is taking place in the world where humans exist. <laughs> and the other has, you know, men dressed up oh, in no. funny robot outfits and like animal, you know, skins and what. Well,
1: Greg, I realized that you were like basically born to earth at age 33, <laughs> that you had no childhood that we can detect, so I'm not surprised by your commentary. That's true.
2: Both movies came out originally 40 years ago, approximately yeah.
1: 1976. And some terrible ones came out about 20 years ago.
4: Um, welcome back to another around the NFL podcast, our second in two days. I love it. Uh, this will be our big, uh, preview show of the rest of the week, 11 game week, 12 games, excuse me, that are not being played on Thanksgiving day. So we previewed on Tuesday show. Make sure you check that out. If you haven't yet, uh, the three games on Thanksgiving Eagles, Lions, Panthers, Cowboys, Bears, Packers, but guess what? 32 teams. No teams on by. Three games played on Thursday,
3: which means 13 games to be played on Sunday and Monday. <laughs> so check out. The accent kind of went away like, like, uh, what's that movie? No, nah, I'm blowing it. Your
2: affectation, affectation changed. That was more childlike. Okay.
4: <laughs> you really blew it. He's right? an you're evolving character. You're not, not going to come up
3: with it? It's going to haunt me for the rest of the, the show. It's a, uh, you know, some actors where they have the Boston accent, they'll kind of come and go during the – Oh, I know, where
4: you, I know where you're going, uh, Jack Nicholson. That, that's in, it. Uh, that's it. In The Departed. Departed. <laughs> when, came and went. An Oscar <laughs> award-winning actor.
2: Kevin Costner and uh, playing one of the Kennedys. Awards. So
4: there you go. Costner, Nicholson, <laughs> Hansis. It happens to all of us uh, sometimes. <laughs> you don't, like, hold it against them. You just keep moving on with their brilliant careers. Uh, so, yes, a lot of games to get to. Uh, and we're going to do that. We also a little later in the show, uh, we have uh, stopping by Michael Berger, who is a producer for NFL Network. He's a huge fan of the podcast, from what I understand. Is that correct, right?
3: Yeah, uh, former guest of the podcast, and not not just any producer. He's the producer of our TV arm of of the show around the NFL. Right. And we'll Whatever pull. But
4: we'll it. get into it a little bit when Berger gets in here. Uh, how he came to be on the show uh, for a second time, uh, which will be today on the eve of Thanksgiving. Uh, and then we'll talk about some games with Burger, who's a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. So Wes and Berger have a little connection there.
2: Well, I'm not a fan. Okay. We're both from Cincinnati now. He, he likes the Bengals <laughs> for some reason. Uh,
4: so, yes, we'll get into all the games. Uh, to be played on Sunday and Monday, and I think we should get right into it because we got a lot to talk about. So why don't we uh, start right away, gentlemen, with the 1 o'clock games on Sunday. Yes, the Minnesota Vikings coming off a tough loss uh, to the Packers at home. They wanted it to be, yes, Greg, a statement game against Green Bay. Instead, they uh, fell into a tie atop the NFC North, but still all good at seven and three. They get the Atlanta Falcons, who once upon a time, were they five and zero? Oh? that's correct. Yeah. Wow. So now they're six and four. Uh, you know, the division is long gone. They're four games behind the undefeated Panthers. And now they're just trying to hold on for a playoff spot. Um, Greg, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, The Falcons are a hard team to get behind, no matter the opponent, and now they have an NFC team that's
3: won seven of its first ten games. Well, I think this is the biggest game of the entire rest of the season for the NFC Wild Card race. It's not—it's not the game I'm most excited about, certainly for the rest of the season, or even this Sunday, even this Sunday at one o'clock. But it is the biggest game. There, I don't think there's really any argument because the winner of this game, especially if it's Minnesota is in great position for that buy. But if Atlanta wins it, they're 7-4. They have a much, I would say, an easier schedule than Minnesota the rest of the way. And suddenly that second spot is a lot more up for grabs. Atlanta will have a good chance for it. It'll be a little tougher for teams like Seattle and Tampa to catch up. So even though... Atlanta has been in a bit of a free fall. They're losing close games. I don't think Minnesota's a team that I trust to go on the road and blow anyone out. I think this should be a close game.
1: Atlanta's offense against the Colts last week, you know, a lot to be desired, uh, both the passing game and the running game, especially when Devonta Freeman went out and he's not going to play this week. Minnesota, you're right, Greg, they had the second toughest schedule of any team in the league down the stretch. After this game, they played the Seahawks and the Cardinals. So you got to take this game, and I think this is this is this is a winnable game for the second best defense in the league.
4: And Matt Ryan has had a bad season, or what you would call a mediocre season by his standards. This was the week after they blew that game against the Colts, where it started to bubble up, where the criticism criticism started to really come out, and there were questions: Is this guy healthy? How is he? You know, because he missed a lot of throws in that game, in addition to a terrible pick six. Um, so that Ryan will be facing more scrutiny in this game. He cannot lay another egg at home, or he's going to be primarily responsible for this team's free
2: fall at a playoff contention. What do the Falcons do well?
3: Get the ball to Julio
2: Jones? Yeah. Other than
3: that, I can't think of anything. They were running the ball well. I would have said that – you know, you could have said it's that It's been a month even. since they ran the ball yeah, well. Yeah, it's dried up
1: completely.
2: I, I don't know. I, I know what the Vikings do well. They run the ball, and they have a good defense. And Teddy Bridgewater makes a pretty throw or two every game.
3: In theory, they rallied to the ball. You know they they did in, in a, September. A decent team defense. No, I think you're right. I think this is a game that Minnesota should take care of. And you're right, Dan. That's the first time I can remember, even during Atlanta's struggles the last couple of years, there wasn't a lot of coaches and players coming out saying we still believe in Matt Ryan. That that's a fairly new phenomenon. really, for uh, the. And he's a thirty-year-old, you know, he's right in the middle of his career, just having—I don't know what it is. Well, I, I think he's maybe. not having that bad of a year. What the heck's going on here? Well, that, that's what this isn't. week has been like in Atlanta, though. People have been
1: Dan's he's right. not having that bad of a year. I think a lot of fans look at he had three interceptions. One of them wasn't his fault. It's the end of the game. But you, they Brock Osweiler in Denver, when he can finally run the rollout offense that is Kubiak's signature moment that is the same offense in many ways as this Atlanta offense and suddenly Matt Ryan's having to do that himself from really the first time in his career to that degree and I I just think it's next year we're going to get a better version of Matt Ryan if Kyle Shanahan's still around he seems to be having trouble adjusting to this offense
2: absolutely look at the top MVP candidates this year Tom Brady Cam Newton Carson Palmer Aaron Rodgers Andy Dalton have all been in their offenses for what five years at least
3: Makes a difference. It takes a while. I want to see Teddy Bridgewater bounce back from a perform. I thought he played really well last week. This is a defense that he shouldn't face much of a pass rush at all, and I think the weapons around him are kind of coming around. Kyle Rudolph's playing pretty well. Stefan Diggs.
4: Light it up. We all picked the Vikings in this game, Wow, uh, which tells you a lot about what's happened with the Falcons the last six weeks or so. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. Moving on to uh, – the next 1 p.m. game to talk about this game will be on Fox, and will be the New Orleans Saints at 4-6, and six. and now with a new defensive coordinator, uh, Dennis Allen, replacing uh, the jettisoned Rob Ryan, who had an eventful um, stop by at NFL Network uh, this past Sunday. I believe he made a Katrina reference. Uh, made a lot of jokes, didn't tuck in his shirt. It was a you know a classic Rob Ryan appearance. But now the Saints got to move on and try to save a season that's on the brink of slipping away. There's been too many of these in recent years for New Orleans. They get the Texans, who are playing uh, excellent defense right now. They just beat the Jets. Uh, they are uh, atop the AFC South at 5-5. Five and five. Chris Wessling, uh, we've been talking about them this week a lot. I mean, this is a team that uh, we can't assume they're going to beat anybody, but – they're starting to look like a real playoff team potentially
2: yeah when i look at this matchup you know if this was two or three weeks ago i would have said the saints offense is the best unit in this game but i don't think it is i think the texans defense is the way they're playing it was right around this time last year when jj watt just you know exploded he was sitting on eight eight and and a half sacks and then he had what 12 over his final six or seven games and i think he's going to do the same thing this year i think whitney merciless who's really flown under the radar, is in the top eight this year in the NFL in tackles behind the line of scrimmage. And, you know, Mark mentioned the rookie cornerback, Kevin Johnson, playing well. clown Clowney's playing really well. And uh, their second-round pick, Bernardrick McKinney, is really coming alive and in inside linebacker, too. They're the best third-down defense in the NFL.
1: And the worst unit in this game is the Saints' defense, specifically their passing defense. Four more touchdowns allowed in three straight games through the air. That's a disaster. This is an opportunity, again, for DeAndre Hopkins to blow up because what we're not seeing with Sammy Watkins and what's getting a lot of press in Buffalo is he's just not getting targets. But in Houston, they're, they're doing the right thing. This is your star player, and they're going to him over and over and over, and he could have a big day here. I don't want to
4: – the Sammy Watkins stuff, too, it's not all in the Bills' scheme and the quarterbacks. Like, that guy's always hurt. So he's been right, able he to seven get, starts. get into any flow in his NFL career through two years. Hopkins is on the field, and he makes the most of his targets no matter the quarterback. I think – Wes, and I think you, you know, um, maybe a, a rankings list to come up, whether it's this season or in the offseason. I think you could make a case that he's the number one wide receiver now. Because, and you also have to factor in his production. He has better production than anybody at Hopkins, and he's got no
2: quarterbacks, really. I think he might be the best now. I have made a wide receiver rankings. Thanks for reading it, Dan. Yeah, you're welcome. When? <laughs> it was about, I would say, four weeks ago or so. Okay. Well, I can't read every. I don't know. Maybe me. six was... weeks ago. It was before everyone realized that DeAndre Hopkins Ooh. was awesome.
3: But you I, I would there.
2: have a hard time putting him over Antonio Brown and Julio Jones.
3: I'd consider – I can I would put Brown number one. To me, that's easy. I think he is playing at a level right now I can't really remember seeing anyone or at least as high a level. Uh, Hopkins is, is right there, though. And the one thing he does have with Brian Hoyer, which you know, Brian Hoyer is not a great quarterback, Brian Hoyer is just going to throw the ball to him. 14 times a game. Yeah, well,
2: are you sure? Because T.J. Yates would throw it to Or T.J. Him.
3: Yates is going to throw it to him, too. Ryan Mallett's going to throw it to him, too. I mean, his his targets for this season are absolutely outrageous. Crazy. And they're right. He doesn't need to what be happened? open, and he usually is. And uh, Back to Antonio Brown, what happened when he took
4: one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? It's a, a fair point.
2: When you gave him the caliber of quarterbacks that DeAndre
3: Hopkins has been catching passes from all year, he disappeared. They didn't throw the ball. I don't care. The things that he does with the ball – and on his routes are just, are just exceptional. But we're picking between, you know, the great, great, Absolutely. great best sure. players in the league. I uh,
4: hold in my hands, get excited, everybody. The 2015 season, week 12, research notes. <laughs> oh, my
1: God. <laughs> Damn. This is getting distasteful. 90s week. It is Brian Hoyer's twin, though. Yeah, there you
3: go. Very good, Mark. <laughs> yes, Ed Kowal, check of Live. Don't pretend that was intentional.
4: That M- nailed it. Uh, it was in my mind the whole time. Matt Money Smith gave me some uh, guff a, f- a couple weeks ago that I had sent out a tweet last year at some point naming the top five live songs. In my defense, I was almost certainly drunk.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that happened in a nearby tavern after about three games of pool and more beers than that.
4: All right, from the research notes, the Texans owe their current three-game winning streak to their defense. Opponents are scoring just nine point seven points a game over a three three-game streak, and the Texans have a plus five turnover differential in that span. Uh, yeah, so Hopkins has been great, and uh, you know, TJ Yates has done the job, but it's the defense. The defense could take them all the way to the playoffs.
2: Where's the red flags from Damashek's show? Poor use of the research packet. You're just repeating the same stuff I already said. Woo-hoo. Wait, why are you being so cantankerous with me today, Wes? I don't think I am. I think that was the first time, wasn't it?
4: No, you like, I wrote about that, Dan. Thanks for reading my material. Well, I
2: feel like you've been undermining everything I've said.
3: Wow. It's about me. <laughs> This is great. We have a lot of different types of heat on this. Wes, what is going on? With Not you? enough West. <laughs> Where is this coming vanity? from? That's a new one. That's monster. why I'm so
2: shocked. These attacks. You know I've been, you know, hot and cold on your research packet usage. Right. In all year you've been using it pretty well, but today you just repeated what I already said.
4: I would like you to keep your opinions to yourself.
3: Whoa. When it comes
4: to my research packet, <laughs> if you're going to have this attitude. <laughs> we'll see. So anyway. positive
3: opinions only about the research packet I, going forward. I I'm going to I have my own research packet. It's right inside my brain. And, uh, it's shuffled. And Listen, there's
2: Greg pointing
3: to his head while he says that. <laughs> and it tells me uh, to tell Sean Payton out there, hey, in key spots of the game, let's maybe not give short yardage carries to Tim Hightower. What's going on? Tim Hightower hasn't been in the league for four years. They give him big carries against the Redskins. What was that? C.J. Spiller too. feed Mark Ingram. What's so underused? We um, all pick the Texans. I was just waiting for Greg to finish this point so
4: I could get back to undermining Wes's career. (laughs) (laughs) I have a lot to get to. to Destroy Wes. That's why I'm here. Uh, Moving on, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers playing very well. Uh, West, stop me if I step on any of your points for the rest of the show. Uh, with Jameis Winston uh, playing at a Pro Bowl level, five touchdowns in uh, Sunday's win. Now they travel to Indianapolis, and here's the problem for Jameis Winston and the Bucks, who are putting their season back together, five and five. But now uh, Mark Sessler, Matt Hasselbeck, who literally cannot be defeated in the NFL.
1: Coming <laughs> off of watching last week's Colts game, I would say if you made a list of the teams you thought would be exciting – before the year and where they are now, the Colts would be the number one team for me that is more boring than I thought. Mm. And the Bucks are the obse- exact opposite where I thought they were going to be a possible watch. And they are one of the more exciting teams in the league. I think Tampa Bay it sounds I've, like a column. Maybe so after the break, not today, <laughs> but I'll tell you something. Tampa Bay who waxed the floor last week with the Redskins. I think they're going to go and do it again. Excellent points Mark
2: I I would oh, not God. dream of Thank I would not dream of undermining anything Stunner. you just said there because
4: west siding with a sessler point <laughs> the old critics corner I, I thought that
2: was well said considering what we thought of these teams earlier in the year entering the season the bucks are the much stronger team right now between these two teams Fair get a room Could get a room
3: this? you old fogies It's it's not like the bucks are just doing it once I mean, the first half that they had against the Redskins. There's a I mean, it they explode fast. Three hundred and fifty five yards in the first half last week against Philadelphia is outrageous. And Jameis Winston, he's not playing at a pro bowl level, by the way. That that's a little much. I mean well, that, that means you're one of the top well the last six quarterbacks couple of quarterbacks in the league. Okay, last couple of weeks. Yeah. That's fair. I think he is doing something that quarterbacks that have been making a lot of money for a lot of time don't do. Jake Cutler never anticipates throws. Ryan Tannehill Never anticipates throws. Jameis Winston throws passes to spots. DJ Daniel Jeremiah, on the Move the Sticks podcast, kind of pointed this out. You know, he's anticipating. He throws balls in the tight window. He's a lot of fun to watch. Great point, Greg. Thanks. Really good stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. You really. I thought you did great work there. Yeah. This this is a
1: unnatural alliance, but I love it. I yeah, like it. Also feels largely phony. It is a largely phony union, but <laughs> I'll take <continue> you <laughs> on.
4: No, good points. Uh, we all, by the way, took the Bucks in this game, uh, except for the renegade Connor Orr, uh, who has taken the Colts. His renegade ways, I passed him in the uh, pick standings, uh, but I, I still feel like he
3: could be someone to watch just because he's fearless. He's what? interesting. Well, this is a rare case. He's picking the favorite. And he's all by himself. The Colts are favored. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. fan consensus as well. They're at they're in Indianapolis. Well, they're the five fans and are still five. catching up they to the They did just Bucks. win a game. I know you don't want to count it. They they did just win a game in Atlanta. they they they're five and five. They've got the same record as the Bucks. Bad team.
4: All right, let's quickly get through this next game because it's the <laughs> San Diego Chargers who are very a tough watch. It's like watching like a, a Greek tragedy unfolding before your very eyes for four quarters. They head to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars. Uh, the four and six Jaguars, you know, barely beat the Tennessee Titans uh, in prime time. They did get a win though, and that's enough to keep you in the mix in the AFC South. Ironically, the only team uh, our fork exercise, the only team that we didn't fork uh, besides the Colts, was the Titans, and they are done. They're two and eight most likely. But Houston and Jacksonville still in good shape here. Um, Jacksonville's got to win this game, Wes. Let's put our differences behind us now and move forward together
2: as a unit. Jacksonville's got to win this game. Absolutely, and they picked the right opponent because San Diego's terrible. And it seems like, I don't know, Greg referenced uh, the Cleveland 95 scenario. This team is running on fumes. Doesn't seem particularly interested
3: in playing football right now. And yet I would be surprised if the Jaguars won a game convincingly. They are 4-6, and six and you know, they've lost a couple of close games too but they, they could easily be 1-9. I think in terms of what they've done on the field, I, I root for this team. I love Bortles. I love the receivers. But I think if you're just watching the team on a week-to-week basis, they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. Uh, in they're, they're lucky to have four wins. And some of these are crazy endings and very fluky endings.
1: Well, and one of them, shouldn't they shouldn't have won, so you're right. But th- I go back to the game against the Bills in London where there was a quarter, and I guess I, I realized they were playing E.J. Manuel, but I thought that the story of that game was going to be that the vision of what this team was going to be. That was the turning point where they suddenly got hot and were hard to beat, and that didn't happen. You're right. They're still struggling, but I would say right now, let me ask you a question. If you could take the Chargers, you're a coach, you can start a team with the Chargers roster or the Jaguars, and I think this answer would have been easy a year ago, two years ago. Whose would you take? It's a good question. I know what I'd do. I would go Jaguars without even thinking about it. It's a tough one because Phillip Rivers is a franchise
2: quarterback.
3: I think Bortles will be too. I love Bortles. He's also what 10 years younger than Rivers. Yeah. I think I would take the Chargers. I don't think the roster isn't that bad. I don't think there's put it this way. There's definitely not much difference in terms of talent between these two teams right now. I think the Chargers are probably a little more talented. They've lost a lot of close games. It's close though. I mean the it, the the Jaguars on offense with the receivers are certainly more exciting. Um, we took the Jaguars across the
4: board in that game. So how often is that Jacksonville? It's probably you can count on one hand in the history of this podcast. So don't let us down, guys. By the way, the the uh, a lot of good feedback on Twitter, our Spotify playlist, which I believe is now up to twenty five songs. Wow, a lot of people excited about it. Uh, I think originally had eighteen, but the listeners came through, uh, you know, pinging us with different uh, songs that we've overlooked. Uh, so it's up to 25 It's a hit machine. It's the next thriller. That's how I look at it. Could we, we can't make any money off it. Oh,
3: I was going to say, could it be... The next
2: thriller except for the minor fact that it's not it's not us producing the songs or right. singing. Right. I
4: guess just in terms of how it can grab the culture. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Just not let go for a period. As a phenomenon? Of, yeah, not just months, but years.
1: Well, it feels like a good modern-day thriller where really... We did nothing artistically other than pick songs. That's kind of how things blow up but now. It, versus back then, it was a handcrafted mm, mm. album album wire to wire hit by Michael Jackson. Well,
3: it's taken it's really catching on. I was doing a I was over at NFL now, and the researcher over there, Colleen, they were listening to Corona, which is really the song of the around the NFL podcast. Hey, uh,
4: every man does the researcher have a name? Mark. All right, good. Just testing, <laughs> testing your every man's status. <laughs>
3: Okay,
4: I don't know if you had a no eye contact policy with the research.
3: Well, I didn't know if our listeners would really have you know know who Mark was. Plus, it's confusing. We
1: well, I don't think Mark it's Mark. that confusing, but
4: <laughs> well, there's Mark, the research guy that you were talking to. Right, hey, Colleen was hey, involved. Mark
2: Sessler, the co-common uh, man. He has a last name. Mark uh, Messier. It's Mulgarian. Yeah, it's thought really, it was Dolgarian.
3: Dolgarian. There you go.
1: And he is the one who suffered through about a thousand now hits last year when we were in the studio one on one with hosts. He had to sit in the corner and listen to all that nonsense. So he's done a lot of hard work. (laughs) All right. I like Dan trying to come at me with
3: his common man rankings. Uh, Give me a break. Get back in your truck. Why don't you put on your fancy uh, (laughs) sweater for the group picture? Strawberry (laughs) truck. Get back in your (laughs) truck. Go drive up and down the eastern seaboard. We ball.
1: are less than twenty-four hours from Thanksgiving, and all there is in here is heat and controversy. Yeah, that's and, like and a lot of families.
4: Four guys, that's four true. different cars. After you should play.
2: have seen some of the Thanksgivings with my family growing up. <laughs> uh,
4: moving on, at a big uh, AFC game here between the Buffalo Bills at five and five, and the Kansas City Chiefs at five and five. Uh, you know, two different situations. though The Bills continue to be an up and down team. They, you know, listen in my opinion kicked away a chance to knock off the Patriots on Monday night Um, and they now face a Chiefs team that is now five and five after winning four straight games and they've looked damn good doing it they're kicking butt in these games as well so uh, it's hard to win Mark in Arrowhead Uh, it's even harder to win when that team the home team is playing as well as the Chiefs right now
1: this may be one of the better matchups because you've got Kansas City's defense which is creating turnovers, stopping the run, shutting teams down, hurting quarterbacks, and you've got the Bills, which despite what we just talked about with Sammy Watkins, lead the league in big play touchdowns, which are plays of over 25 yards with 16 and six of them on the ground. They, they remain one of the more electric offenses in the league when they are healthy, and they are healthy right now for the most part, so this should be fun. But they haven't been that offense
3: for, what, three weeks? and they've been healthy. I mean, since Tyrod Taylor is back, the last two weeks has been as his worst two games of the entire season, and it feels a little bit like Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe even you know worse, that the early excitement and the bloom is kind of coming off the rose, and you see this with a lot of quarterbacks. They have five or six good games, and then teams figure out what to do. I think the Jets put a, sent a lot of pressure towards Tyrod Taylor and the Bills' offensive line, and they didn't know what to do with it. They kept Taylor in the pocket. That's exactly what the Patriots did. They blitzed a lot more than they usually do, and Taylor really struggled.
2: Have we found a way to put the bloom back on the Rose yet?
3: No. Once it's off, it's off.
2: (laughs) We wrote off Alex Smith earlier in the year, and he's Mm. been playing pretty well, but this defense, they have an average margin of victory of 23 points over the last four games. They haven't allowed more than 18 points since October 4th in a game. The, The
3: Chiefs are the better team in this game. They're one of the best teams in the NFL over the last month. Well, one thing that helps—they have not turned the ball over in four weeks. I—I I don't know how they did it, but the Chiefs managed with their one and five start to kind of make themselves interesting. Well, they would have been ranked about thirty-one Whoa. or thirty-two on my least interest, you know, on the most interesting teams. But just because they started one and five, There's still and they lose Charles, and then they just start blowing teams out, I'm in, I'm intrigued by them.
1: Well, they'll be the first team since 1990 to make the playoffs if they're 1-5, but they wow. feel like the they have a good chance because of how crappy the AFC is in general. Well, this so. is the
3: AFC equivalent of the Falcons-Vikings. I don't think it's quite that big a game, but whoever wins Bigger. this game. Really? You think so? Bigger because these two teams are actually pretty good, and the Falcons stink. That's
4: fair. How about a loser-goes-home match right here? It's got the tiebreaker
1: involved now with this game. Well, Buffalo will go home to Buffalo.
4: Oh, like in like physically. Yeah, they'll get on a. They'll probably pack up right
1: after the game, get on a plane, fly east.
4: That's not like exactly what I was getting at, but you're not wrong.
1: Well, you're probably not wrong either. Now we have an alliance.
3: This is the two. The two teams that uh, are, are most likely to make us donate to a local charity, by the way, the Chiefs and the Bills. There, there are many teams out there, but I would put these two at, at the top of the list. Also two teams that have been letting down
4: their fan base consistently for 30 years almost. So <laughs> Yeah. <that's fair. laughs> I mean, I'm not quite ready to see one of them surge into the spotlight. Uh, we uh, Where did we go with that game? Uh, that was the Buffalo Bills contest against the Chiefs we were just talking about. Correct. Wow, we all took the Chiefs.
2: We're in Probably lockstep again. this week.
4: Yeah, uh, moving on. The Miami Dolphins uh, are four and six. That's the bottom of the AFC East. But again, in the muddled wild card picture, they're still in the mix. But they got a win on Sunday. And guess what? They got a matchup that could be to their advantage. The New York Jets, playing awful football for a month now, uh, not a great home team. Never really have been. So this is not a game where you should look at the Dolphins as heavy underdogs by any stretch. Uh, this is a coin flip game again. I'm a, I, I pick the Jets every week. Uh, I just can't help myself. I always do, uh, but doesn't mean I necessarily think they're going to win. Uh, the only thing I have going for me is Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, uh, Patrick keeping his job over Gino, which was absolutely the right move, and trimming his beard—a little mojo shift. You like that? I'm in. Yeah, got to do something.
1: You also have the fact that got Quentin Hill-
4: Coples too. You know, shake things up well- a little bit.
1: Yeah, that was, the, that was the juice needed to change New York <laughs> This season. is the Quentin Kopel's Bowl? That's this right. Kopel's
2: Bowl. Kopel's. Did, did you see the report that Rex tried to claim him on waivers, too?
4: I am the least surprised person ever about that. <laughs> he wasn't awful in his first three years with Rex. He, I mean, he had 16 and a half sacks. So he had between five and six sacks every season. So he wasn't, you know, a total bust, but he just wasn't a fit with bowls. And I really, yeah, I think he sent the message by dumping a former first-round pick.
2: This was the hardest game for me to pick this week just because of how bad the Jets have been lately. And I don't trust the Dolphins' offense. I do think the Dolphins' defense is playing pretty well. Uh, Rashad Jones, I think, has been the best safety in the NFL this season. Wow. Continues to play well. Uh, I end up picking the Dolphins in this game um, I just don't know what the Jets are right now. What are they, Dan? I, I used
4: to think I knew what they are, but now it, all that stuff's out the window because they're not running the ball consistently and their uh, defense isn't creating turnovers anymore and the secondary isn't shutting down uh, passing games. And we don't even know if the Jets will have Darrell Rivas. Uh, he's not practicing as of this taping. He has a concussion and Todd Bowles seemed to indicate there was a real chance he was going to miss this game mm. on Monday when he said that he hadn't made any progress at all from Sunday to Monday. So uh, that is something to watch. Uh, if Ryan Tannehill can take advantage of anything,
3: which I'm not certain, uh, he might have a chance to go against a secondary without Revis. Well, especially against a team that has one receiver. Uh, Jarvis Landry isn't a top-five NFL receiver, but he's having a great season, and the fall-off from Landry to the next guy, who I guess is what, Kenny Stills? No, Kenny Stills. Shard Matthews has not been in the mix lately. Kenny Stills is sneakily having a horrible season. Yes. uh, They're frustratingly boring all around. Sue is playing well. Vernon's playing well, or he played well last week. Jones is playing well. Grimes is a good player. But other than that, not much to get excited about. You might be
4: surprised, Greg, to know that Rashard Matthews, has more yardage than Landry. Oh, yeah. More touchdowns. Care. Stick at your pipe and smoke. I don't care. And he's averaging 15.4 <laughs> yards per <laughs> So reception. he's
2: basically better across the board.
4: He has 20 less catches,
3: but every who, other statistic he's better. Who do you think is a better player and is having a better season? I think
2: Landry's there better, you but there you go. are overstating how good he is. You said not even top five. He's not even a top probably 15 or 20 receivers he's oh, their, I think he is
4: he's their clear number two and uh, as we know with the Jets secondary if you can get beyond uh Revis, even Revis wasn't a guarantee against Houston but I look at that as an anomaly uh you can have some fun against Antonio Cromartie and company
1: I mean the best quarterbacks do their best work inside the division and Tannehill hasn't beat an AFC East team all year and mm. it's not just him it's what's around him I guess on offense but for me, the key, you look at New York's – you said it, Dan. Like You look at New York's run totals from game to game. They were dominant, dominant early in the season, putting up huge totals, which was a great formula for their quarterback and situation. And one, now they're not, it's completely dried up.
4: One thing to keep an eye on, the last – it was actually Joe Philbin's last game as an NFL head coach. It was uh, the last time these two teams met, and Chris Ivory went nuts in London, uh, just ran all over this team. They need Ivory to get back to being that guy or they is have just no chance. not
1: like he's not, he's not healthy, healthy and
4: he's almost Which never been healthy. Shouldn't career. be a surprise. Right? You can't count on him to be healthy. That's right. on the Jets. He has not been healthy since uh, that first carry against the Patriots Since high school.
3: It's the, never been the same. If the Dolphins, though, win this game, I mean, this is Dan. I don't not that we think Dan Campbell's going to keep Campbell the job Bowl? Next year. But Dan Campbell has to win a division game or else there's absolutely no chance yeah. he keeps the job next year. There are only other division game left on the schedule. Is against the Patriots. in Do you week really think there's a chance he's keeping his job anyway? If he won nine games, so he'd have to go on a run. Yeah, I think if he got, if he went four games over 500 as as a coach, he came in. You the, know who the owner is. Yeah, he's gonna go get a shiny new tool. Yeah, well, he's or gonna at try. Least look for one. That's, that's what Fergie thing.
4: does. <laughs> Fergie? Fergie's one
3: of the owners. I oh, know that's uh, Serena Williams. Well, Fergie, Serena. Mark Anthony? This is an organization. Remember ownership that? group. Remember they thought that was going to bring them, like, a lot of buzz and attention? So That'll that, that. get the South Florida crowd to go to the games. <laughs> this
2: is an organization that firmly believes
3: in entertainment over football skill. Fabio. Ricky Martin. Well, you know what? They got a new guy right on the show. His name is Mikey T. Mike Tannenbaum. Fan of the program. And he'd bring in Quentin Coppola, so he drafted. That's going to turn the whole franchise He's been down. on the
2: program. How's that Tannehill contract looking right now?
4: I would say friend of the program, maybe. I wouldn't. I don't think he's listening regularly. we Well, find friend of not the program.
1: Not in his current
3: role. He was on. Not anymore, no. Yeah. We like Mike T. tweets, though. Nice guy. I a like bench. Mike T. He is a mitch Is that good? Yeah. Tulane grad. No, I meant
4: the mench thing.
1: That's why Greg yeah. likes
4: it. It's all good. Get into that culture of yours. This
1: Tulane underworld is so concerning.
4: Uh, <laughs> next up, the Oakland Raiders, who uh, you know society was once excited about, and now society no longer – Believes them to be exciting on some level. Uh, now 4-6, and six, uh, fading uh, from contention. Now they get a gift from the football gods, you would think. The scheduling gods, the Tennessee Titans on the road. But who knows? Who knows with the Raiders anymore? You never know who's going to show up. And at the, on the other side of the ball, Marcus Mariota, he's a guy that, you know, he could take any team for a ride. He's proven that this season. So you can't assume that they're just going to be terrible every week. Wes, this seems to
2: be a game that I'm going to call a coin flip. <laughs> yeah, they've sort of switched places here. Last year, Derek Carr had the worst weapons in the NFL to the point where we couldn't even accurately judge him as a quarterback because his receivers were so slow. He didn't have a running game, and now Marcus Mariota has. In last week's game, uh, y'all was doing the Next Gen Stets article, and the Titans didn't have a single receiver who ran a faster speed than Anthony Fasano. Wow. that's Their so cool. slow-moving tight end
3: ran faster than all of their wide receivers. So so, Anthony Fasano, you could describe as sneaky athletic?
2: You could. Although, I don't think anybody would consider him one of the league's fastest tight ends. I
1: think it's a statement on their offense more than Fasano. It is.
2: And the running back is one of the slowest
1: running backs in the NFL. There's no speed in this offense beyond their fast tight end, Delaney Walker. This is one of those games where, like, the world's going to swallow itself up because the Titans, one of the worst— running teams, bottom 10 easily, against a Raiders defense that has given up 567 yards over the last three games on the ground. Wow. That, so almost so 200 yards a game. I'd run Mariota. Get that guy going. They do need yeah. to run him more. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing with
3: Mariota. He doesn't go deep, and he doesn't really use his legs that much. So you're saying he's Alex Smith? No. I, I think he's doing the things that can help them win the best. And right now, being crazy and being aggressive – he doesn't have the receivers for it. And so he's just a solid C plus B minus every week. He is, a, he's about as consistent a rookie as, as you'll ever see. He's pretty much the same guy, but he gets in a matchup like against the Jaguars on Thursday night. And he makes a few plays and he doesn't make any mistakes, but he's not going to do enough with the, the, that, the, that talent surrounding him to win the game. I had the dumbest, by the way, this your your whole argument about the Titans skill position talent, the dumbest argument on the couch at NFL now on, on a Sunday all year was they were trying to NFL tell NFL Game Day Blitz. NFL Game Day Blitz they were try there no. more people than not were saying that Mariota had better weapons than Jameis Winston.
1: No This is the most insane thing I ever heard. Based on what player were they even know. pointing to? I don't I don't, I don't I don't
3: know. Who was this? I was on uh <laughs> I don't even remember. That's <laughs> a, a good sad. answer. <laughs> uh
2: my uh public yeah, but, shaming not enough for them.
4: Kevin Patra and uh, the old Zeuser took the Raiders in this game. The rest took uh, the Titans, and uh, I didn't mention it, but uh, Wes had said that he took the Dolphins. So did Patra. The rest took the Jets. Uh, moving forward, gentlemen, the New York Giants uh, are five and five, and in the NFC East, that means you are on your way to a division title. They have one game lead over both the Redskins and. Eagles and a two-game lead over the three-and-seven Cowboys. Oh my God, what a bad division! Uh, now they travel to Washington, uh, looking to bury the Redskins. Uh, a big game, obviously with a big playoff ramifications. There will be no wild card team coming out of this division, so you got to win these division games. Uh, Mark your thoughts on this gridiron old school NFC East battle between two.
1: It's rates. it's the most confusing game of the week for me because I, both of them have flip-flopped wins and losses. The Giants for the last six, the Redskins for the last five, and that's what they are. They're both eight-and-eight eight type teams. New York's the best – I think maybe the best unit is New York's offense in this, and they probably have a, chance, a better chance than Washington because Washington, to me, when they're good, we've had fun watching them. I love what they thought they could be early in the season, and they're just too inconsistent – but at the flip side, I don't know. I'm gonna be all over the map because the flip side, this defense and Kirk Cousins, maybe it's a good Kirk Cousins game. I I don't know. I can't even. I'm not even gonna watch it.
2: They made like two <laughs> plays all of last week: Andre Johnson's or Andre Roberts' kickoff return and, and Deshaun Jackson's long touchdown pass. But that's against Carolina's defense. Now you get to play against the Giants' defense, which is a whole different story. I th- I'm picking the Redskins to win this game. It's kind of a coin flip game, but I think the Redskins are better than people think.
3: So I'm going with it. Mark's mood. Uh, goes up wi- wildly, up and down with based on what the Browns are doing. But I've noticed. Well,
1: that would just have me in one mood. wouldn't it, it
3: it goes? That's true. It's pretty much just down. I've noticed the Redskins effect. Like if they're coming off a loss, then you'll be really down on them. If they're coming off a win, then oh, it's back! It's back to the Cousins corner over here. Cousins well, Kirk cousins, we- cousins for MVP. These teams aren't that equal. I think the Giants oh. might build on their loss to the Patriots. They're they making a little better. They I thought of, equal. uh
4: Cousins Corner is okay. Kissing
3: Cousins. Oh yeah. Well, these <laughs> all are right. Like that? You like that. The Giants have outscored opponents by 20 points this year. The Redskins have been outscored by 32. That's a 50
1: point difference.
2: The Redskins significant. have
1: been Right. The Redskins offense has been injured all year. Now they're healthy. So they have had they in their wins. There is a lot of reason to get excited about the Redskins, but their losses have been terrible in yes. some cases. So you're right. It, if you're going to follow that team, you are all over the map this season. The, the Redskins, Deshaun Jackson said this week, this game
3: is for all the marbles, which I like that. that <laughs> I was like, no, you don't know. What it's that, like for a few. Of you don't marbles. know what that phrase. It's like three really marbles. means the, yeah. Giants, the Giants have had the Redskins number. They some apparently there's some beef between him and Amukamara. I can't remember someone. There's always name. beef between the and Giants. They and asked people. him about him. He's like, oh, he's just another guy in the field. I, I wanted to point out out. You know who's having a great season is Dominique Rogers Cromartie. Yes, he's he having is. a Pro Bowl. One of the best, what, six or seven cornerbacks in the league type of season. He he is something that defense can get by. He's, so
2: he's another one of those guys who does it like every other year. Yeah.
4: Him and Antonio Cromartie. It's a it's Cromartie curse. <laughs> it's in the, it's in the Uh, Patra and myself again on the same island with the Giants, the rest with the Redskins. Wes, I think you'll like this one better. This is we'll from see. the Week 12 research notes. And I Wow, think, eagle eye. And I think one thing I know will always uh, tickle Wes, a little teddy bear, giggle as I tickle him. <laughs> is a little <laughs> trivia where you can prove yourself to be a, a maven on NFL history and knowledge. So I'm going to give you a quiz, Wes. All right. Actually, I'm going to open this up to both kissing cousins. Both guys on that side of the <laughs> table can chime in. I might not respond to that title. All right. You can well, try me. And, Sydney, can you help me out with a, a, maybe a, a clock? Because we're going to give you 20 seconds. Here we go. Uh, I'll tell you when to start, Sydney. Eli Manning has started 177 straight games at quarterback, the longest active streak in the NFL. The Redskins have started 10 different quarterbacks over that span. Name seven out of the 10. Give me a 20 seconds, Sydney.
1: Kirk Cousins, Robert Griffin. Uh, we've got Rex Grossman, Jason Campbell, John Beck, John Beck, and Colt McCoy. Ooh, Colt McCoy. And then that's one Patrick more. Ramsey. That's seven. Keep going. How many do we need to name? Just name them.
4: Name more. <laughs> 20 seconds. Count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of 10. Very good. You Ooh. did it. Yeah, with plenty of time to spare. Here's who you missed. Greg, do you
2: know any? No, I wasn't thinking. So why did you shake your head when I said Patrick Ramsey?
3: I didn't. I misheard the, what the question was. Mm. Mark Brunel. Uh, we should have. Uh, Todd Collins. Playoff star. Oh, I got another. Wait, did you say Beck? Collins no,
4: started the playoff Beck. game. And this one, guys, Donovan McNabb.
1: Oh, oh
4: right. ill Forget that terrible era. That was a depressing time. Ill-fated project. Donovan McNabb era in Washington. More like error. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward, the uh, NFC West. Uh, we were we're tasked on NFL Now, where we do multiple hits per week. Uh, if you're interested, you check out. How do you find NFL Now, Greg? NFL.
3: Dot com slash now. Sure. Why not? Or Uh, now dot NFL. It's on Apple TVs. It's everywhere. All right. Good. So knock yourself out. We do these game previews
4: and I was tasked with trying to set the boys up with a way to get into this game. The Arizona Cardinals at San Francisco 49ers. And I said, Wes, after two big showdowns for the Cardinals against the Bengals and Seahawks, could the 49ers uh, serve as a a potential letdown game? And Wes, how did you respond? (laughs)
1: Extended <laughs> laughter. Skeletor <laughs> laughter Skeletor, on, on the uh, edge of Skeletor. It, 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 oh, well, Earth this is NI from the same
3: laugh. guy who said Blaine Gabbert was looking pretty good. It uh, could
2: very well be a letdown game, and the Cardinals might only win by 30.
3: Oh, stop.
2: All right, maybe 20. Can you hear that, by the way? Listen closely. It's
4: the Blaine Gabbert resurrection campaign. Oh. Uh, because you're hearing some positive buzz around Blaine Gabbert. The Honey Badger said uh, this week, I think he's underrated. Blaine Gabbert on the comeback trail. Called him much better than Kaepernick, right?
2: He did, and I agree with him. I I think Blaine Gabbert is playing well. And and in that Honey Badger story, Bruce Arians also had a quote saying how how well he thinks Blaine
3: Gabbert is playing, that he thinks he's a good quarterback. I I thought when you were listening for that sound Mm -hmm. that you had picked up the sound of hubris coming from Chris Wessling and perhaps uh, the rest of the bird gang out there. That's what we call uh, us big Cardinals fans. I think it's more of scorn and derision than hubris. Coming off to – all I'm saying is if there ever was a letdown game, if that is a real phenomenon, maybe it's not, it's probably going to come in a dead stadium – on the road, in the division, after two monster games on national television where you proved yourself. Totally agree. And against a team who has been frisky enough at home. They've been okay at home. Even last week, they were a little more competitive than we really expected once the Last game week? already 20 to nothing. <laughs> I mean, when it's 20 to nothing, you figure it's going to end thirty, 30 now, to look, nothing, and they come back and that, they sort of make it a game.
2: Oh, that makes total sense, They're except for the like fact it. that the Cardinals have the most talented roster in the NFL and the 49ers have the least talented roster in the NFL. They're running preseason lineups out there on offense.
1: Yeah, and I also look at teams that have these letdown games are often not the Patriots. It's not the best teams in the league. It's those halfway there teams that do something surprising, and then they cave in. They're, they're, this is not built that, this way. That, this team with under Arians, the way he's gotten them up game after I game, I don't see them as a letdown fodder.
4: And uh, we all took the Cardinals, not surprisingly. Moving on. <laughs> uh, late game, the Pittsburgh Steelers with Ben Roethlisberger uh, doing Big Ben things with his boy Antonio Brown head to Century Linkfield to take on the Seahawks uh the Seahawks uh we know do not have Marshawn Lynch he could be out until the end of the regular season uh after undergoing sports hernia surgery so that is a big loss but at the same time the same time was uh, Thomas Rawls is coming off uh the type of game that Marshawn Lynch has never had in his NFL career is he a guy that's going to cause this offense not to miss a beat or will beast mode be missed
2: if you think that the Seahawks are going to miss Marshawn Lynch, you haven't been watching them play this year. Thomas Rawls has outplayed him. Mm. I mentioned this Sunday night. Marshawn Lynch has rushed for 75 yards one time all year. Thomas Rawls has done it three times over 100 and has their two best games by a running back all year. And frankly, looks like he fits his offense better than Marshawn Lynch. There are a few things
4: sadder than thinking about fantasy owners out there that spent like a seventh overall pick on Marshawn Lynch and then didn't handcuff it up with Thomas Rawls. There's people out there that that got stuck like that because you're right. Lynch has done nothing all year. He's never been close to the old Lynch this year. He's been banged up and ineffective, and now Rawls is a, maybe
3: a better option at this stage. It's crazy that Thomas Rawls, an undrafted rookie, is absolutely more valuable to their team than Jimmy Graham, the guy who gave up you know, a first-round pick. has been an all-pro player. At this point, we're just kind of expecting Graham to get three for 39 every week. It's no longer even a big story. Here, here are some people. He has 530 yards on the season, which isn't the worst thing ever, but he, here's who else is right around him in, in the yardage race. Benjamin Watson, a couple ahead of him, replacing Scheme. him in New Orleans. Doug Baldwin in Seattle. Danny Woodhead in San Diego. These are the players that are right around him. Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones. I mean, these are the... Types of company, the types of company that Jimmy Graham is keeping right now. He the was, bigger number is two touchdowns. He's supposed to be one of yeah. the best
2: red zone threats in the league.
4: Historically prolific in terms of production in New Orleans. I guess we figured it was going to go down, but I don't think anybody predicted he would be this, this unproductive.
1: You know, Bevel though, it, when they do what they do, it, when you have a healthy running back, they're fine. The two times they've tried to plug. Star guys that they've added to kind of take that offense and make it more dynamic. Percy Harvin and Jimmy Graham. It's not been a very successful experiment. The first was an absolute disaster. The Harvin thing, I, I can't really put on the OC at all, though. He's actually he is though who he was, He's but the players been banged up. That's fair. But the players talked about the way he was used and the lack of explosive plays from Harvin in that offense nearly tore that locker room apart before they went back to what they do. The crazy thing is that
3: the Seahawks are having this season where they're struggling and they're five and five. And when you think of their defense, the strength is up front. Like everyone always thought the secondary that's how you know that's how this defense was built. Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett might be the best duo in the league right now. With Ware being hurt, they they are there. Cliff Averill has been amazing. Bennett's been really consistent and great all year. That that is they are playing better than they've ever played in this whole run. And yet the secondary, I know they were fine last week against San Francisco. They basically give up the same plays every week. I mean, they, gave up, they give up the big plays down the middle of the defense. Earl Thomas is very often involved in giving up the plays. Cam Chancellor has not been a great player for them in coverage at all. Not that it, that was ever his strong suit. And again and again, people are hitting him with those same plays. I'm a little surprised that only one of us took – the Steelers and it was Connor or the
4: re- Renegade. Um, are we kind of overlooking what the Steelers can do against the Seahawks defense that hasn't been nearly as good this season?
2: No, I think it was a coin flip game. I respect the Steelers and and I think they have the best wide receiver duo in the NFL right now. And I don't think it's even close. Martavis Bryant is an animal. That guy is incredible. Who else is better than those two guys? But you're playing in Seattle. If this game was in Pittsburgh, I think it'd
1: be – I'd probably lean the other way. I mean, this is the game that – you know, we're making our picks on Wednesday, and there's a lot more information to be learned before the games. But this this one I might switch because I really look at Pittsburgh – and I understand the Chiefs and the Bills and all that stuff. They, forget it. Wild card. They're going to not going to win the division, but if they get in as a wild card, I look at this team as one that could upset the apple cart entirely and go right to the Super Bowl. Well, if, even without Le'Veon Bell. I agree,
3: and I think if they can win this game, and this is the best game of the week, it's one of the more interesting games of the season. It's, just cause, it is a good game. Because Seattle right now, to me, is fascinating because they've been the best team in the NFL now for this is the fourth year where they're one of the top, where they should be one of the teams. And if they lose this game, it's like. They're, they are running out of time, and I think Pittsburgh could go pick them up. And if Pittsburgh could win this game, Michael Berger, who's waiting to come on the show, doesn't want to hear it, but Pittsburgh could still win that division.
1: Yeah, that's possible. Mm. Still have Cincinnati left on the schedule.
4: Mm-mm-mm. That is a good game. CBS, that might be the Phil and G.M. game. <laughs> Get excited about that. All right, now, <laughs> we talked listen, I care about uh, who's calling the games. Phil and G.M. And by the way, Mike Tirico and Jay Gruden, or John Gruden, we talked about it. What a team. Oh, yeah? Tirico going off on the officials at the end of the telecast was, you know, classic They've been great. What a pairing. Now, (laughs) we move on to a man uh, that needs an introduction. Uh, He is (laughs) a producer for NFL Network, uh, specifically the Around the NFL program. Uh, We are the Around the NFL podcast. He's a man with interesting insight on the NFL world, so he said, why don't we get the old Berger in here and, uh, you know, toss it around a little bit. I've got
1: a prop to give Berger when he gives in, a little credit to give
4: him. Okay, good. Let's bring him in, Michael Berger. Sitting to my left, to Wes's right, we need somebody between me and Wes today. Sure do. Um, <laughs> here is Michael Berger. Welcome back. Thank to you. To the around guys. the NFL podcast, I am, I
5: am truly honored. I, as, as I said, I looked it up. I think it was almost two years ago to the day that I was in <laughs> here, and things you got—you've come a long way in two years. Yeah. Bad, yeah. yeah. Yes, we are incredibly popular. Uh, <laughs> the paparazzi's way, I had to get through them just to get in the door. Well, we've been, on, we've been on your program, so that's been. That helps. That helps, right? I think it's a sort of a symbiotic relationship. You guys have, uh, you know, we're all one media group here, so we're getting all the insights, all the content, guys, all the content <laughs> you get.
4: Were you responsible for the name around the NFL? That could be a better name. <laughs> for both the show and the podcast. What
5: well, what what would you write? what else what else? What would you write if you had your druthers, what would you call these programs? Uh, Stick to Football. <laughs> okay. I'll <laughs> I'll take that in the next <laughs> in the next meeting. Imagine the Stick to Football podcast. STF.com. Right. That's probably already taken. I'd- you somebody. know,
2: crazy idea here. I think we should probably stop renaming our shows.
1: <laughs> that, right. that makes sense. Right.
4: I was not here the first time Berger was on the show. I oh, really? Oh, that's office. right. Oh, that's right. So this is the first time I'm sharing a studio with Burger. It, I have goosebumps. Absolutely. But, Mark, you remember the last time Berger was here.
1: As does Wes. We we got into a hot debate about the longevity and the success in the career of Colin Kaepernick versus Alex Smith. Right. And – Ah. Berger went out on a limb to say that, without any question, he believed that Alex Smith would be the better quarterback long term. And now this is two seasons ago, right. and right. I don't remember how the rest of us debated, but I know that I was on the other side of the fence. 100% I hundred You all were. I, I was with we're wrong. Berger.
2: I hammered him pretty hard how for guys, it, and and he was absolutely correct. How do you guys remember
3: this? We all, have memories. Well, Greg, like earlier <laughs> in the show
1: you pointed to your head and talked about my brain. Well, that's where it's coming from. It's this called is, recall. And, and this is why Burger's back on the show because right. correct
4: in that one, <laughs> one inane segment. conversation exactly. two
1: years ago. Right. We
4: exactly.
3: we waited. I mean, we waited as long as we could until Kaepernick was finally just done <laughs> for this. Right. Bring it, back Burger. Officially over. Uh, and then we're like, all right, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's earned it. All right. Way. Not only that, you sold out your girlfriend and made her wait for the direct T V man just to come here. Today. I did. That's that's
5: good. Good. They're watching so, is being it's. I'm glad I'm here. Let's put it like that. All right.
3: So we want to talk some football. Let's
4: do it. Let's All stick right. to football.
5: Yes. And why not? Uh, since yes, since you uh, are a
4: uh, Cincinnati Bengals fan, I am. Unlike Wes, let's talk True. about Cincinnati deserter. A big. What was that deserter? I called him a deserter. Your thoughts, Wes?
2: I was born with a mind of my own. <laughs>
4: I'm not a sheep. Right. Uh, this this would be this will be a good podcast in the off season. Wes and Berger talk about. Being a, a Cincinnati sports fan, I right, like that. Right. Uh, but for now, let's talk about their game on Sunday. They're coming off back-to-back losses. That's you know, right. they, they played pretty well on Monday night. They did uh, on Sunday night, but were defeated uh, by a great Cardinals team. Now they get the Rams in their building burger. Right. Uh, a Rams team that listen. You know, we can't make much sense of uh, the, what's going on at their quarterback situation. Todd Gurley hasn't even been dominant in a couple weeks. This seems well set up, yes or no, Berger, for Cincinnati to get back on track.
5: You'd have to think so. I mean, the Rams are, what, 31st in total offense? Everything. 31st in scoring defense. Um, watchability. Todd Gurley, yeah, watchability. Todd Gurley hasn't been Todd Gurley-like in the last few games. Earlier in the year, the Bengals were having trouble stopping the run, and if this game had been played in week six, I would have said that's a really bad matchup for the Bengals. Mm. They're, I think they're 13th now in running defense they were in the bottom five earlier last the month era. they've
1: got to be top five Bontes,
5: yeah. Perfect. um yeah he's back that helps so uh I mean, I, I, you'd have to think this is this feels like a Bengals win. I, red zone's going to be interesting. I think both those teams are second in the league in red zone offense and defense, respectively. Mm. So I think what happens uh, down uh, near the goal line will obviously play a big part. But, I you, I mean, we saw Case Keenum didn't really help things last week uh, ignite the Rams offense. So you'd have to think this sets up for a Bengals win. I will say that, obviously, the the tragic Stedman-Bailey incident uh, last night, yeah. you'd have to think. Um, I mean, let's hope that doesn't factor into any you know it,
4: bailey was involved in a right, shooting if, incident if he you was don't shot know. yeah uh in his car he underwent surgery today i his i believe he's in critical condition stable it's, stable uh, stable, though, stable though. Right, uh, exactly. condition there's but there's so there's not a lot of information about what his uh, situation is but that is obviously uh terrible news uh back to football end of it greg you you said on our last uh, last week you talked about andy dalton how you hadn't seen the andy dalton of the earlier in the season the last few weeks did you see enough on Sunday night to be back in and not be worried at all about Andy? He made some big throws in that game. Yeah,
3: he went down the field, which I think i had been missing for a month. Although, on the he key play of the game, he missed a few. He missed – really, if he puts that ball out there, they might win that game. And right. we're talking about what a performance. That easily could have been an interception uh, on the play that A.J. Green wound up catching out of bounds. And I, I think we've seen enough from him that it would be surprising – uh, if they had another big letdown game. But this is one of the best defenses in the NFL, so I, w- I would not never count it out. Sure.
2: Why do we keep saying they're one of the best defenses in the NFL like I don't the know. Bears put, like, 37 <laughs> points? That out. was
3: one game, and they were missing Quinn and Long in that game. Uh, Case Keenum, it looks like, he is going to start despite that concussion, by the way. He's limited in practice. If well, well, you got to double down
1: on that
2: one if you're, if you're oh Jeff
1: Fisher. God. We talked about the fact that the Steelers are still coming up on their schedule. I mean, Cincinnati, what they've done all year is n- – what the reverse is in the past where they have that – epic melt where suddenly they're not the Bengals we respect anymore and you're just looking at a January defeat. This is not that team, but they have to go in and stamp St. Louis to make that true. I don't
4: think the Rams are going to score enough points to hang in this game. Not at all. I'm taking a look. I know this is an offense that now runs through Gurley, but you look at their receiving stats. These are the uh, receiving yards for their top four receivers, Britt, Cook, Austin, and Cunningham. 341, 321, 310, and 189. This is – we're 10 games into the season, and these guys are on pace uh, for
1: all about 500 – Outside of Austin, this is like the fifth season. year in a row this has been the case with this dead-on-arrival They offense. shouldn't be able right. to keep
4: pace with Cincinnati. The
2: receivers are like, what, third or fourth on the list of problems, though? The quarterback, the offensive line, Greg Robinson has 15 – he's been flagged 15 times for holding since he entered the league. Great pick. Orlando Pace was flagged 11 times in his entire career. Wow.
4: so he's not Orlando Pace
5: (laughs) the fact that the Rams can't throw the ball sets up well for the Bengals who their secondary is a mess right now after losing Dark West Denard for the year last year pac still hurt it's a big loss yeah it's a big loss Um, you know their Leon Hall has played in the slot this year and hasn't played all that well frankly um, Drake Kirkpatrick, I think, was in the bottom five uh, of all corners in the league at Pro Football Focus as of two weeks ago. So they got some issues in the back end, and it's going to come up in games against one more against the Steelers, like you mentioned. They still play the Broncos. Their schedule, long-term, just looking at, you know, obviously the Steelers only two games back, and and you'd like to think that uh, you know they'll be able to hold on, but their the Bengals schedule does set up well. They only have really the Steelers and the Broncos left. Their other four games are Rams, Browns, Ravens, and Niners. Oof. So
1: look out for those Browns. Uh, That's perfect.
3: You get a couple tests, but you get some cupcakes. Which should be right. Just a question for the room: Who? Uh, who is there any person that's more overly emotional on a football Sunday than Michael Berger? I mean, he really <laughs> gets a little too intense. It, quiet storm. It's uncomfortable. It, yeah, but he well kinda, not this year. It, his is <laughs> internal. That's it's more burning intensity. It's looking. mostly
5: it's <laughs> mostly my trash can that gets the brunt of the of the you know. But I, I try to keep it confined to my cubicle. I, I, you know. A
3: lot of yelling off I, of like a third down miss. Got to make a play quarter. on third down. Get NFL off editor field. Mark
1: Ortega could give you a run yeah, of your money. It's been, just
3: general zaniness and
4: wildness. I've been vocal in my. Uh, distaste for our our move across the new yeah group. that's
5: right we used to be neighbors yeah
4: uh, we've been banished to a corner uh, like the guy with the red stapler in office space <laughs> I love it <laughs> and one thing I do miss is seeing the intensity whether it's Reds baseball right. or, or Bengals right. Uh, football right uh, so I miss hey, it man.
5: yeah go all I mean go all in or go home you I gonna panic play. if they lose this game 21-20? twenty one twenty
2: absolutely. Mark and I haven't said two words to each other since we made that move like four months ago. Well,
5: outside of that dynamic, <laughs> you guys I it love right it. I next sit next to, to each other. Yeah, right there's exactly. a Berlin I think there Wall be more right between us. Than that. There's a wall. You, right you never liked each other anyway. It's fine. We took the Bengals Not across true. the
4: board <laughs> to uh, get back in the win column and move to 9-2. and two. Let's talk about it. Sunday night football. This was supposed to be an Alan Chris. You know, I love talking about announcers, Greg, as we spoke about earlier. Uh, they were supposed to get, you know, Brady Manning Ball Forty Six. Instead, it's
5: Osweiler Brady One.
4: Yeah, so Brady there go. Brock. There's the cell. Brady v Brock.
5: Are they going to put those graphic? You know, they do the whole like Manning. Are they going to do Manning, Brady Osweiler One and big Roman numeral at the bottom of the screen? That right? actually is. Well, that's sort what of they called it. In our news sense notes. of
3: humor that NBC yeah. I think would do. Yes, they're known they for should. their subtle sense
4: of humor. They should. Uh, anyway, so the New England Patriots, <laughs> ten and zero. So you get excited. Oh, wow, 16-0. But they're not playing that great uh, on Monday night. They didn't play that great. This is a short week for them. They're beat up, as we talked about. Berger, I'll set you up again for this. Yeah. Uh, there is a case to be made on the road in prime time against the great defense and a young Brock Osweiler, look promising, reigning player of the week, that the Pats are ready to go down. you yeah. buying?
5: I'm not. This is this okay. is a tough one. I, I think, you know, at some point the, the war of attrition has to – You know they don't. They simply don't have anyone to throw the ball to anymore. I think you lose Deion Lewis, fine. You lose Edelman, fine. You lose Ammon. I mean, I literally, I you know LaFell and you know James White's catching two touchdowns. I guess every year this is the lesson we say this. I feel like every year about the Patriots is who is he throwing the ball to, and they still do it every year and win 14 games. Um, So I think on some level you have to start to really push the panic button. But at the same time, I'm taking Bill Belichick against a guy making a second career start. All day, every day. And I think, listen, the, the Broncos' defense, we all know, is probably the best in the league, top to bottom. Um, but I, I just, until until I see Brock Osweiler have, a, I need a larger sample size to, to, to think that he's going to go beat Bill Belichick on Sunday night, whether it's even in Denver or not, uh, I've taken the Patriots.
1: On the vibrant broadcast vehicle known as NFL Now, Yes. earlier today, I <laughs> predicted that James White, four touchdowns, it's going to happen. Four touchdowns. What? And if not... Chris Wesley in the offseason will canoe from the Los Angeles port to Nicaragua. <laughs> is that
3: possible? Wait, is Thor West- hired all the football of writers. Like I don't know. It's just trip. something like
1: hard- What if what if uh,
3: James White does get four touchdowns? Then Chris Wessling will not canoe from Los Angeles. So he just to Nicaragua. Gets you know what, in particular. You know, either way, I right. am not canoeing. You know anyway. what's
5: going to happen? In in, in in classic Bill Belichick fashion, it'll be Brandon Bolden catching four touchdowns yeah. and not just White. Yeah, and and then you are not going anywhere. Either way, Wes, so you are fine.
2: I uh, on on the same NFL Now story, you vibrant. Mean, I I had Brock Wise Brock Osweiler winning this game, and in our Uh, a sponsor-mandated hot take of the week that we have to write every week. I also have (laughs) Brock Osweiler winning. But I I could never pick Brock Osweiler over Tom Brady. Of course I'm going to pick the Patriots in this game.
4: What do
3: you mean? Why would you do it then for bold predictions? Because we have to come up with a hot take. It's mandated. All you have to do is go. Integrity impugned. Go through the games that you picked this week. I am certain I have like 17 other, pick it <laughs> right
2: about it. I have 17 other things on my docket, and it's, and it's like <laughs> the desk throws this. You have to come up with a hot take this week in order for a bold prediction. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I let, am, me, let me chalk out 70 words on Brock Osweiler. I will,
5: <laughs> I will say that everybody who watched Brock Osweiler play, we all watched, I think, a portion or some of that game. Like, I watched most of it. I, I mean, he play, that's what the Gary Kubiak offense is supposed to look like. Yeah. And, I, you know, I, he played – better than I think most people expected. Is he going to, you know, can he do that against the Patriots on Sunday night? We'll see. But I, I guess. Think, no you
3: know, downfield he he throws. He, he, he made didn't really throws. show much, good or bad, and that's great for a first start. But this is the best Patriots defense, I think, in the last decade, and they can present problems sure. for you. Just Jamie like Collins did.
2: coming back, too. Yep.
3: They gave just him like they AFC did for Tyrod Taylor,
1: another young quarterback, last week. So this could be a game in the teens. You they know. gave him AFC Player of the Week, Brock Osweiler. What? And I know because I don't know if it's because of just the situation he was in. It was, but it was a perfect passer rating. Who's but in if you watch the game, it's their job. Right. If you watch the if you watch the game and listen, he managed the game well. That I agree with. But perfect passer rating means literally zero when you watch what he did to forge that. You he beat the Bears good, by two points. He threw one good pass the whole game. He didn't make any Which mistakes. Which pass was that? Uh, he had. Hit Vernon Davis get on a third down outright. slant and uh, had another good pass that Owen Daniels dropped. Too. He also didn't turn the ball over, which yeah. has been the problem for Denver. So but I, I just,
5: I just, I mean, just from, from a schematic standpoint, there was a lot of play action. The tight ends were more involved. It's what we've yes. seen they from loved it. the they Ravens loved and it. Texans. Yeah, yeah. I just, it looked the like what the running game came to life. Absolutely. The so the fact
3: I, that Vernon Davis got in the mix that much, it I, th- good too. I think, was a huge positive and a huge sign of how much Osweiler helped. But watch out, you got, you got. You know, Demarius Thomas going on Butler Island. We should mention. Oh, stop it. With there. There. But Butler Island. Island. We should mention because this news, came, this news came after
2: we recorded yesterday's podcast. Peyton Manning team announced out right. at least the next two weeks, right. at least, he's going to be in a walking boot. And I, I think it's natural to
3: wonder if he ever plays for the Broncos. Very league. fair yeah. to ask that. I think if Brock Osweiler plays at the level he played last week, there's little chance that yeah. Manning it's, plays again. Now, if he really struggles and Manning does prove he's healthy again in three weeks, then who? Osweiler just fits this offense so much right. better. Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Uh, I took the Broncos in this game. I am alone. It is a hero pick, or it was until Greg came along.
3: Oh, you don't pretend <laughs> that you think I ruined this thing. You love it, sure, buddy. <laughs>
4: Finally, Monday Night Football. And Do what we, a, have
5: to, we have to? What a bummer. Yeah. To. What a bummer. Listen, everyone loves to see, wants to see Matt Schaub against against the Josh McCown. Come on. It's what they're tuning in for on Monday this, night.
1: It's a funeral.
4: ESPN was so desperate to find a way to play this game, an angle to take on it, that all throughout Monday Night Football this week, it was just a really kind of odd, like uh, uh, staccato-type massive cutaways and all yeah. this different. All this Johnny Manziel. Ooh, Johnny, Johnny Manziel, it like, football, it, Johnny. It was,
3: it was different like John Gruden. It was like, oh, Johnny football. Jack, you got to love him. Johnny football. And then it's like him like running around, and it was just like, Johnny football, Monday night. And then in like fine print it says Ravens Brown. Exactly. <laughs> and
4: it's like, how are we now supposed to take this game seriously as a piece of entertainment to watch Manziel back on the bench, as we said on yesterday's podcast, uh, because of his uh, hard partying lifestyle or just being out and uh, taking off the team enough where they said you're on, you're now our third string quarterback. So it's Josh McCown back in the lineup against. Yes, Matt Schaub, who replaces Joe Flacco, who tours ACL and MCL last Sunday. So, yeah, this is a game that's going to be hard to get excited about, especially when you're talking about two teams that are combined five and 15 this year. I say don't televise it. Put on, you remember, like, the ESPN
5: Strongman competition? Oh, yeah. Put that on. Magnus what? Bear Magnuson? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: Candlepin Bowling? What a
5: phenomenon! How about Magnus- we, let's make so, this so the
1: hard. Heidi game, too. Around midway through the third quarter, just put Heidi on.
4: Or, you know, like NBC and now Fox is getting into, like, doing the musicals. Like, just throw something together in the next four days. Get a musical out there. <laughs> fiddler on the roof.
5: Much of about musical. nothing, maybe. How about a musical, that a musical starring Matt
3: Schaub and some of the players? He'll throw
5: an interception. <laughs> What would you call that? Yeah, I don't, I don't pick know. Pick six. Yeah. Definitely uh, would be hair. Uh, yeah. So this game. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we we can't talk, West, So, yeah. That's uh, why we can't talk. I know. Talk. I know. That's true.
4: <laughs> so here we go. This this is the game that's happening. Uh, anybody have anything to say about it? We all took Cleveland, but I think initially it was before Mansell, What do you got to say, Wes?
2: Anybody want to trade shifts on Monday? Oh, that's all you <laughs> got to say? about it. Come on. Mark. I've covered every Monday night game, which I enjoy, but this game, come on, I give it up in a
3: heartbeat. Mark, what? Uh, you have to root <laughs> for them to win on national TV, even though you're saying, "Oh, I'd like to
1: have the number one overall pick when push comes to why." Stop You'll
5: just mess it up. You don't want the number one pick. Well,
1: I won't. But <laughs> <laughs> I I would like to see them win. And I, it, here here's one thing: I have a I have a quick comment, and I have a question for Berger to yes. start off with. Yes, but I I think Mike Pettin. This was the most defining. Decision he's going to make as the Browns coach for a long, long time, and I think he made the right one. If you listen to the players in that locker room, a, to, a, to a man, they feel like he did what was right for the team, and he stood by it. And I, and I respect Pettin, and, and John Harbaugh said the same thing. It's not easy to have done this. It goes against everything that makes Cleveland even marginally marketable. But question, you, had, you got Kaepernick and Alex Smith right two years ago. Right. Johnny Manziel versus Blaine Gabbert. Career going forward. Hmm. Do they do they have careers going forward? No. I mean
4: I just like that this now I'm we can start the clock in another two years before Burger's back
5: on and then we'll have the <laughs> answer. Right, yeah. <laughs> December of twenty seventeen. Um, God, I I don't know. I mean, li- I mean, in all seriousness, I you know, I, listen. Blaine Gabbert is a is a career backup and will be, and I don't I don't think he's. I mean, to have him to someone say we're giving you the keys to the kingdom, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Mm. Johnny Manziel, listen. I mean, do, I, do we think someone's taking a shot on this guy? He's not playing for the Browns anymore after this year. We we think so.
1: I don't know. I maybe. don't know. I, I don't
3: know. We haven't done a podcast since they officially announced it. Right. we expect that McCown is was going to be the starter, but they officially announced McCown's. The starter, but he didn't even say for the, for the rest of the of year. Greg's right, memory fails him once again. We did, but you at can't. The end of the show, come out. And oh, say that was official. Yeah. That's but, right, but you can't. I mean, to, to your no, point, I was thinking about today's press conference, which is really when okay. he talked about it and said it's not for the rest of the season necessarily. And for him to say that shows. They're not closed off, and I think if they get to the last couple weeks of the season, they might just let yeah. him take a but turn.
5: But to, but to Sessler's point, if you say, as you said, the defining moment of his, if you say we're we're benching you, and it's fully supported by everybody in the locker room, and then you go back to Manzel two or three weeks later, where does that leave you in the standing? It's I, a I just mess. To, to me, yeah, it's a mess.
1: Yeah, it's he's in a messy situation, the yeah. coach, you, and so is the players, you can't so go, go back the, to him at this team. point.
5: That's why, back, so. and this isn't piling on the Browns, Mark.
4: It's if you if that job opens up in the off season. Like, I would seriously, even though there's only a finite number of jobs to take in the NFL, it seems like you're always going to end up in a total S-storm, no matter what, one way or the other. He's just the latest guy to get caught up in the web.
1: That is why I 100% would keep Mike Patton for next season because it can't get worse. And you got to mm-hmm. give the first coach in a long time a give chance a to chance. do more than two years. Yeah, that's I agree. honestly. That's tr- that's I fair. look at Ron Rivera, who was gone a couple seasons ago, and I look at they don't have Carolina's roster by any extent, but you give this guy a chance because you're not going to get anyone to sign up for this job.
3: And if you can sweep the Ratbirds, at least you got something. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you go. A you go bird. get John Idzik. Make him the new GM. No, you do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> it would take you four years to hire him. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea. Maybe get Idzik. And Marone, who are working together down there in Jackson, right. bring them together. That is an
1: awful <laughs> idea by Greg. Uh, we all took the Browns. Uh, really? Hard I'm going
4: to
2: take the Ravens. Why
1: not? Yeah, I'm taking could, the Ravens.
4: Well, it's hard to pick a Matt Schaub team in 2000. That's true. I would never pick
2: them. I'm, they, you, I'm
5: taking the Ravens.
2: You could draw up any team in the NFL, and I would pe-
1: pick them to beat Matt Schaub. One <laughs> sneaky thing that could turn yes. this into an absolute disaster Cleveland cut Terrence West, so they traded him to the Titans for a bag of spoons. He's now on the Ravens, and he's from Baltimore. The Ravens love Terrence West. They wow. have a running back, and they said he's going to play. It is the most Browns thing ever that Terrence West runs for 150 Absolutely. yards and two touchdowns on this defense.
4: I still think the most Browns thing ever this season was injuring the crappy rookie quarterback to get to Ben Roethlisberger.
3: Mm-hmm. Wait, wasn't, yes. wasn't the release of Terrence West? It was a trade. trade the trade of Terrence West part of what enraged Mark so no. much that he gave up on the team.
2: No, it was no. not signing Chris Carter's son. Or Kristen He's currently working out of McDonald's.
1: I wanted to get Dion Carter, Kristen Michael, and run a complete <laughs> spread offense. Deron Carter and with a complete spread offense with Manziel, Texas A and M style and just after take twenty years or thirty
2: years. Both both me. of those players currently on practice squads. Um
4: well, all right.
1: I'm not in a
5: solid place. Uh,
4: Michael Berger, <laughs> you've said it all and more.
5: Some things, after two years, Sesso's not in a good place. Some things never change.
4: <laughs> and maybe when you come back again. Great. Listen, I would say, although for, like, for bit purposes, it would be funny to have you on in two years, but we, we enjoyed <laughs> sooner having than you. That, yeah, Sooner we'll than that, maybe. Sooner than that. I it's sooner than two years this time.
5: I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Wes,
4: you have the final decision. Sooner than two years? <laughs> two years? Over, under two Or years. never? Three options. I'll go with sooner. All right. Sooner. Love it. I'm in. Would have been off- awkward if you would have said never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, look, he earned it
2: by
5: besting me in the debate. That's right.
2: Mm.
4: There we go. Uh, Berger, next time you're on the show, we will talk about your appearance on Wheel of Fortune. I can't wait.
5: By the way, do you want to tell everybody when the television version of this oh, show is wow. on? Absolutely. Ooh, I can't Thank get out of here without setting, a plug, yeah. right?
4: Here we go. The Around the NFL television show Thank you. is on five days a week, and this is when it's on. You ready? Yeah. 6 p.m. Eastern, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, a special three-hour show on Thursday that begins at 2 p.m. Eastern. You got that right. And that's wow. where that's where
3: on a normal Thursday you can find our Thursday night preview. That's from, right. Uh, the four,
1: uh, well, it hasn't NFL. been that normal, but it's well, going to be moving normal forward. There it's is back. no back. Thursday show You had a little hiatus.
5: You're back. It's why we, we we juiced it up a little bit. You're fine. Everything's, Do you
1: everything's see a good. rating spike when our Every, segment
5: our, comes Our minute-by-minute minute ratings, if you look at it, it is, I, they're so high, it, they're almost <laughs> unreadable. It's like you can't even It's the Super Bowl, basically, in the fourth quarter. Exactly. And Synergy. We, and we have Greg on sometimes yelling at Mike Silver, which is always a fun segment, and vice versa. That's okay. Yeah. Two live Silver, Silver deserves Two that. live juice. <laughs> <live
4: Jews>. uh, <laughs> all right. That's it. Uh, Thanks, guys. Just want to wish both uh, Burger a happy
5: Thanksgiving. And the same to you guys as well.
4: All, all the colleagues, all the heroes, happy Thanksgiving. And all the listeners. In America, Happy Thanksgiving. I know it's not celebrated. A lot of our listenership is Canada has it's Thanksgiving, but it's yeah. like a
5: month before.
4: Well, you know, we're, I'm going to say that Happy Thanksgiving 2016 to Canada
5: and 2017 to me when I'm back on the show next. Absolutely, <laughs> everything
4: covered. Uh, thank you to Sydney and everyone behind the glass. This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the Mailman, Boyga, the Boss. <laughs> Sydney behind the glass. Till Sunday.